Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Mince Levens from the Edge, a podcast geared toward helping entrepreneurs thrive by learning from the experiences of executives in the technology, biotech, and finance fields. On this podcast, Mince Levin partners who work with growing companies raising capital, building great management teams, and achieving successful liquidity events will discuss with investors and entrepreneurs the key reasons that they were able to build successful companies and important lessons learned along the way. Mince Levin is a nationally leading law firm focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at mincedge.com. So today we're really fortunate to have J.D. Davids. J.D. and I have been uh, friends and working together uh, in a number of capacities over many, many years. Uh, J.D.'s been working in the startup world for over 26 years as a founder, CEO, chief financial officer, chief operating officer, board member, and advisor. He has served on the management teams of eight venture-backed startups with six exit events. Three of those companies completed successful IPOs, three were acquired, and two were valuable learning opportunities. <laughs> I love that. We've all had those. Yep. JD has closed over $1 billion in financial transactions, including raising money from angel investors, venture capital firms, strategic corporate investors, and completing IPOs and M&A transactions from the buy side and sell sides of the deal. JD has a passionate commitment to help 10,000 entrepreneurs over the next 10 years, focused on beating the current failure rate of approximately 85%. As the founder and managing partner of Smart Money Startups, his mission is to guide entrepreneurs along their journey from idea to exit and beyond with a combination of education, coaching, and CEO peer group mastermind sessions. So JD, really just delighted to have you here. Um, you know, as we talked about, really our focus on this podcast is to give really practical information to entrepreneurs who are starting businesses. And I know that you've been a very successful entrepreneur and you've had, I love it, you know, some, some wonderful experiences and exits and some valuable learning opportunities. Most definitely. And that's what we want to explore today. So I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit about, you know, why is it that you decided of all the things that you could do with your life, why did you choose to be an entrepreneur? Sure. Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate you uh, inviting me to participate. These are a lot of fun. Um, I really love entrepreneurs because I am one. And the reason that I dove into entrepreneurship was because I started my career as a CPA at KPMG Pete Marwick. And I had a great opportunity to audit both public and private companies. And it was like every year I had at least a dozen companies that were at various stages, and I, each one was sort of a case study. I mean, you learn your way around a balance sheet and an income statement and the footnotes because every decision that a management team makes ends up in the financial statements and the footnotes. But the ones that really got my attention that I fell in love with was primarily the software and other startup companies that were raising venture capital, they were growing really, really fast, and doing IPOs. And so I'll never forget the first deal that I ever worked on. I was an auditor at KPMG. One of our clients had just gone public, and then they were buying a company that was a gaming company up in Los Angeles. So the CFO, the lead uh, partner, and myself chartered a plane from Palomar <laughs> Airport, flew up to Burbank, and we got the deal done within a couple of weeks. And it was a great exit for the founders, and it was an excellent acquisition for our client who had just gone public. 
and I was immediately hooked. I'm, I've been a deal junkie ever since and working with entrepreneurs. I love it. I love it. Great, great introduction to how you got interested in entrepreneurship. So I know you've done a number of startups, but I thought it'd be interesting to talk about your first startup because I think that's probably where you probably had the biggest learning experiences, right? So tell us about your first startup. Sure. So the first company that I actually founded was a company called Deal Management Systems. And this was after I had moved to San Francisco. In September of 1995, Netscape went public, and I knew that the world had changed. And so it only took me a couple of months to move up to San Francisco and get a job, and I interviewed with a bunch, and I joined a firm called Organic Online. And they were one of the, it was a spin-out from sort of Hotwired magazine, which was one of the first online magazines. And Jonathan Nelson and his brother Matthew Nelson were working on banner ads to pay for Hotwired Online Magazine. And they said, well, if we get a banner ad from XYZ Company, what happens when they click on it? Because nobody got a website. And so they built a web development shop and I had the privilege of working there. One of our most interesting clients was Nike. In the summer of 1996, the Olympics were in Atlanta and they paid us to build an online data room so that all the Nike sponsored athletes and their army of photographers and writers would be able to upload them so that you can appear on the front page of all of the magazines and newspapers and everything. They used to send out a thousand FedEx boxes every morning during the Olympics. We allowed them to do that digitally and they paid us like a million bucks to do, I mean, this long before anybody knew what a cloud was. So the first company that I started was, I said, if you can do that for photographers and writers, why can't we do that for the conduct of deals? Whether it's venture capital, M&A, IPOs, there's always a due diligence data room. And instead of sending all those FedEx boxes around, I said, let's take it online. So I built a prototype. I taught myself how to do FileMaker Pro, an early relational database. And I made a working prototype. And the smartest thing I did was get a couple of customers early on. And that allowed me to raise, over the course of a couple of years, about uh, $2.5 million. Mm-hmm. Did some angels, we did some venture capitalists, and we did we processed over a billion dollars of deals on our platform for a lot of great clients. Amazing. So this was first mover advantage. How did that work out? Well, uh, the first mover advantage was great because we captured market share very quickly, and then 9-11 happened. Mm-hmm. So when the planes hit the towers, Basically, everybody in the financial world said, all deals that are pending, just hit the brakes, put a stop to them. We were in the deal business. And even though I put together a plan to skinny down and do board minutes and all that kind of stuff, unfortunately, uh, we had to close the company down. And there's a couple of people in town that remember this. Instead of running the the plane into the wall at a thousand miles an hour and burning up all the cash, we were one of the few companies to actually close down and return cash to shareholders. Now, look, it was pennies on the dollar, but we gave money back. Sure, sure. And of course, as we all know today, this is now the way deals are done, right? These online, you know, deal, you know, document storage systems. They're all over the place. Many companies have them, use them. So, you know, you, you really were way ahead of the curve with that idea. And this is an illustration of where timing matters a lot. Um, I've had a number of people come up to me at events and say, you know, J.D., that was a great idea, and it's industry standard now. You were just a little bit early. And the sting of shutting down a company does hurt, but it's a lot better to say, well, you had a great idea, you were just too early, as opposed to, wow, that was a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'll take that. You know, timing matters. So 
you know, in addition to that, you've raised, obviously you raised venture money and angel money for, for deal management, but you've raised angel money and venture money for other companies. And I know that for most entrepreneurs, you know, the thing that they worry the most about and the thing that they think the most about is how to raise capital. Mm -hmm. And I know that you've not only had a lot of experience in doing that, but you're now running a business where you're helping entrepreneurs learn how to raise capital in the, in the smartest way possible. So let's just take a step back and talk a little bit about, you know, what do you tell an entrepreneur who walks in the door and says, hi, JD, I've got a company, I need to raise money, where do I start? That's a great question because that's what I dedicated my career to now because I've done so many deals and I end up answering the same questions for entrepreneurs over and over again. And what I decided was instead of giving them a fish, I want to teach them how to fish. So I like to describe our business as we take founders of companies who are very intelligent and we give them a roadmap for fundraising. It really is a step-by-step -step methodical process that I've used over and over again for 26 years to do well over a billion dollars of deals. And the first thing I tell entrepreneurs is you need a roadmap because for your product development, you have a product development roadmap that lists which features you're going to build and when and how much they cost. For your staffing budget, right, here's who we're going to hire and when. That's kind of a roadmap, right? But for some reason, when it comes to fundraising, everybody just uses a shotgun approach. They, they enter pitch fest competitions, which you should, and they network like crazy, which you should, but they don't have a roadmap for fundraising. So as a result, they end up spending quite honestly, wasting hours and hours of time pitching the wrong investors. And every hour that they spend on fundraising is an hour that comes out of what they could be putting into product development, customer development, and recruiting their team. And so if we can move the needle just a little bit to save them time in the fundraising process so that they're only pitching investors that already understand their business, and can, re can bring a lot more than just cash to the table. So we have a laser focus on helping them find the right investors and stop pitching people that don't understand your business so that you can get a deal done quickly and get back to building your company. This is great, this is fascinating. So let's, let's dive in a little bit more into that process. Mm -hmm. So most companies, you know, I work with, with startups as well and entrepreneurs, and most companies need to raise a friends and family round first then get out to maybe some more institutional type angel investors and then perhaps move on to venture capital. So how, how are you helpful at the friends and family round, the angel round and the venture? Maybe walk us through the different steps and, and where you provide the best you know, guidance and advice. Sure. We actually provide the best guidance and advice before you even raise the first nickel. Because even before you raise money, you should go out and find people that are experts in your industry that have successfully been there and done that, meaning built companies that go from zero in revenues to, you know, 10, 50, 100 million dollars in revenues and get them in the boat with you just as an advisory board capacity because they're going to help. I mean, they've learned a lot of lessons a lot of scar tissue, just like you and I have. And there's no reason that entrepreneurs need to repeat those same mistakes. I mean, entrepreneurs are really smart. They could figure it out on their own, but why? Why, why would you not take advantage of so, lessons so, learned? So the classic thing, so number one, find at least a mentor, maybe even a group of mentors, but at least a mentor who's been there and done that. See, that's the first step. And I think the, the word mentor is problematic. Okay. I like, because mentor can mean, well, anybody that's willing to spend time with you, right? I'm looking for subject matter experts, people with vertical market expertise. So if you have a mobile payments app, 
right? Your mentor should not be somebody who made all their money in real estate or biotech or, or whatever else, right? Yes. So this, this idea of having a mentor is a complete misnomer because it has to be the right person, not just, oh, I need a mentor. No, I need somebody that's, you know, I always say, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, surround yourself with people who have been to the Super Bowl before. Yes, yes, very good. So to answer your question more specifically about fundraising, we can help early at the friends and family round because the idea is to go get one of those industry experts to participate in the first, say, $50,000 that you raise and just get them to write a five dollars or $10,000 check. You know, get somebody that's already had a few exits. Get the retired chairman of XYZ gigantic gorilla company in your industry so that, number one, people are going to see, oh, my gosh, wow. You know, it's almost like a, a vanity metric, if you will. Sure. Wow. If George is in that deal and yes. he or she has been so successful. Everybody wants to be in that club. Yes. Yeah. What's going on there that, that George wants to be involved? Yes. Um, and then the second thing that we can help with the most is finding a lead investor. And I have this conversation with entrepreneurs all the time. And they're pitching, 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 pitching. And the fundamental challenge that they have is everybody says, oh, yeah, we're very interested. We would love to participate, but we're not going to lead. And so you find yourself on this never-ending search for a lead investor. And, and that is exactly what we do is help startups find a lead investor that has industry operating experience and success in the vertical market where you operate. Because if you get that, you will zoom past your competitors. And quite honestly, if you don't get that, your competitors will, and they'll, they will. Uh, I, I really love this, JD. Now, that that's actually something that I don't see a lot of people out there doing, right? I think there's a lot of folks out there who claim that they can help you potentially reach out to angel investors. We could talk about that for a second because mm -hmm. I think you and I have had some similar experiences where those don't really work out. Yeah, there are people who claim that they can make introductions to you to VCs. But I don't know that I know anybody who actually says, wait a minute, I can actually help you with the friends and family round. I, mm -hmm. I just think that's really great, really great advice. Let's, let's now focus a little bit, though, on angels, because I know mm -hmm. that's something that obviously every entrepreneur has to go through that angel round unless they're very lucky mm -hmm. and they uh, are in just the right space at the right time and somehow the VCs are willing to come in very early. Mm -hmm. You know, in the old days during the dot-com era, like deal management, that was a little more common. Today, most companies do a friends and family then they're doing at least a round of angel investing and sometimes multiple rounds before they're ready, if mm -hmm. at all, to get to the VCs. Um, so let's talk about angels. Angels are really hard to find. And I can't tell you how often people come to me as a lawyer and say, gee, do you know anybody who might want to invest? So let's talk about that. How, what's the best way for someone to find angel investors? Do you think, and you can be critical of, of, of lawyers too, right? Do you think lawyers can find angel investors? I don't think so, but I'd love to get your view. So if you want to find angel investors, the key is to get the right ones, and the key is to have a target list of the best ones. And what I mean is people that have already made angel investments in other companies in your industry sector and have already had exits. And you don't want just any angel investor. You want an active angel investor. I think one of the things that is unfortunate is that a lot of entrepreneurs waste an enormous amount of time pitching angel investors and taking advice from angel investors who haven't written a check in 18 to 24 months. And secondly, they actually don't understand the business. And so the entrepreneur is getting advice, 
but they're not getting good advice. And I'm not saying that these, so look, angel investors as a whole are obviously very wealthy. They're very intelligent. They're very well-meaning. They have good advice, but in the startup world where 85% fail, you need great advice. You need industry-specific advice from people who are actively investing in your industry sector that bring more than just cash to the table. And the only way to do that is to build a target list of the very best investors. And that's pretty much why our company exists, is because if you get the right person into your angel round who has already been there and done that, they will open up doors for you that you cannot get access to otherwise. Yeah, again, I really love this. So. You know, one of the things that I've seen over doing this for 30 plus years is when I look at the companies that raise angel money, whether it's the friends and family round or, you know, a wealthy uh, individual, what I see is that the investors invested for one of two reasons. One, they knew you, right, JD? Like, you're, you're, you're the guy. I know you. I trust you. I'm going to mm -hmm. give money to you because I know you're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. That's one group. And then the second group is the person made money in that industry. They really understand that industry. And when I look at the number of angel investors that I've worked with over a 30 plus year career, and it's in the hundreds, mm -hmm. they almost all fall into that category. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the number that, that don't, so the number that come from an angel pitch competition or just from a, you know, a general you know, introduction, oh, I'm a wealthy person and I'm looking to invest in companies, is such a small percentage that it's always struck me as an incredible waste of time to try to pursue those people as opposed to pursuing the people that are in your personal network and as you point out, the people who have made money in that relevant industry and understand it. And this is exactly, so I think entrepreneurs should do pitch competitions they should be very selective about which ones they do. But most importantly, you need to literally have a target list of 15 to 20 rock star investors that if you got them in your deal, like you would get catapulted into the next level very quickly because guess what? If you get the right angel investor, they have already done deals with the Series A, Series B, and Series C investors that you're going to want 18 months from the time that you close this deal. And that's going to make everything a lot faster. And so anybody that has gone through our programs at Smart Money Startups, when they go to networking events and they go to pitch fests, they literally have a printed out sheet of the 15 or 20 target investors that they're going after. And our people don't just sit around and ask lawyers, hey, do you know anybody that might be interested <laughs> in my marketing automation company? I mean, that's a good question, but like, I can tell that you're going to look at the ceiling and you're going to be thinking through your LinkedIn Rolodex and you're like, yeah, I don't know. But if I whip out a piece of paper with 15 names on it and you skim the names and you're like, oh, yeah, uh, I know Susan Jones. You know, she's yeah, actually, she's done business with one of my other partners and I can absolutely make an introduction. That is a far better use of your time. And in, and in fact, we can even run those names. We do this with you know, with venture capital funds, but we can even run those names through our contact database and find out who actually knows that person. And that's one of the things that most of our entrepreneurs uh, that come through our class, first we help them build a target list. Then once they have a target list, they're like, oh my gosh, these are like rock star names, but I, I don't have any warm introductions. How, how do I get warm introductions? Well, we have a module on exactly that because you would be shocked the degree to which the people in your network and their network, if you go after it in a targeted way, you will actually be surprised how many warm introductions you have, either in the entrepreneur's network, in my network, in their lawyer's network, and we have, you know, we show them how to do that.
So unfortunately, we're actually running out of time. It's amazing how quickly, you know, 20 minutes can go. Um, we are definitely going to have you back because I want to talk to you further about about venture capitalists and how we apply that program to identifying VCs and also talking about getting companies ready for exits. There's so much more we can talk mm. about. Um, but we're going to go ahead and, and wrap up. I want to thank you, JD, so much for coming here and sharing this wealth of information on how to help get a company really off the ground through that um, friends and family round and angel round. Um, that's it from uh, from from the edge from Ms. Levin, and we appreciate it. We hope that you will all uh, listen to our upcoming podcasts. And for more information about what we do, please visit www.smartmoneystartups.com. Thank you, JD. Thanks, Jeremy. Thank you.